So what happens if you open your mailbox and there's a letter in there from the IRS? Maybe you did something you weren't supposed to do or maybe you didn't do something you were supposed to do. Your heart skips a beat. You get a little bead of sweat on your brow. Your palms get moist and you wonder what you're going to do to handle this situation. The resources of the entire federal government are ready to come to bear on you. Now, the scenario I described is what happens to many people. What happens to other people is that letter gets thrown in the trash. And so does the next one and the next one and the five others that follow until one day you go to use your ATM card and it doesn't work. Or you go to pay a bill and there's no money in the account. And then you discover the IRS has taken your money. There's a lien on your home and you don't know what to do because you've got to feed your kids. You've got to pay some bills. That's when you call my guest today. The IRS is scary and they're intimidating, but not for Steve Klitzner. You see, Steve has been my friend since 2007 and he helps people solve the problems they face with the IRS. That's all he does. He lives, eats, sleeps, and breathes IRS problem resolution. Please join me in welcoming Steve Klitzner to the Inside BS Show. All right, Steve, so I described those two scenarios. The first scenario, you go to your mailbox and there's a letter from the IRS and you almost have a heart attack. The second scenario, there's a letter from the IRS. You don't even look at it. You throw it away. You throw the six others that follow away. Which is the more common scenario you face as somebody who solves IRS problems? Well, really, Dave, even more common than the two you described are the people that get the letters and don't open them. They just put them aside and hope that somehow the problem's going to go away or they just don't pick up certified mail, which is equally as bad. But too often, you're right. Too often we see people just ignore the IRS because, not because they're bad people, because they're so overwhelmed that they don't know where to begin. And hopefully, that's the time they call me because the more letters that come, the more of your rights are going away. The earlier you get on top of it, the more rights you have, the easier it is to resolve the problem. And the IRS makes deals, right? And you know how to make deals with the IRS because it's all written down. It's all, I mean, it's in the tax code, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. And because you do this all the time, you, you know how they work. Well, it's also in the Internal Revenue Manual. You know, the code is the law, but the IRS has uh, a, a playbook. And we, of course, have the playbook. We know exactly what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And it's our job to hold their feet to the fire and make them follow their own rules. And they're, they, they have an incentive structure. They have a recognition and rewards program within the IRS. And you know that some revenue examiners are just looking at clear cases. Sometimes there's a there's a type of case that they're going to go after. And because you work with these people all the time, they're going to tell you, hey, Steve, this case, I got to I got to go hard on this case. Steve, this case over here, 
you know, this is not a guy that I'm going to, that I'm going to get a lot of recognition for. So, you know, I can do a little something on this case, right? Isn't that, isn't that kind of part of the back and forth and the reason that people work with you? Sometimes that's actually the case. You know, we'll have a client who owes payroll taxes, a business, and they keep getting levied by the IRS. The IRS is taking their bank account. They're going after their credit card processor. They're almost putting them out of business. But the reality is they can't afford to pay the IRS anything. So when I call the revenue officer on a case like that, they say, I'm really glad you're on this case. Just get your client to start paying current taxes, current payroll taxes, and I'll place the case uncollectible and just close it. I know he can't pay the old stuff, but you've got to at least get him to start paying the new stuff. And you mentioned one other thing about making deals, and that's a common misconception among taxpayers. People call me all the time and they say, I owe $100,000. Can you just call the IRS, see if they'll take $60,000? Well, I do a financial analysis with them, and I find that they can full pay the liability. They have the assets or the ability to pay monthly. And that is not an offering compromise where we make a deal for less is not a substitute for a full pay. If they can full pay, the IRS doesn't leave money on the table. And what I tell people all the time is, if you owe $100,000 and you haven't paid in several years and want to make a deal with the IRS for $60,000, when you have the ability to pay more, why would they make that deal? And why would anyone ever pay their taxes on time? They would just wait a few years, call me, I'd make a phone call and we'd settle the case. So if you have the ability to pay, I can get you into an installment agreement, I can hopefully get rid of some penalty, and I can lower what's owed, but I can't just make a deal. Now the flip side is people that come to me and they don't have much in the way of assets, They don't have much in the way of money, no property. Their income is relatively small. They just really have enough money to make ends meet. People like that who owe $100,000, even more, we can settle sometimes for $100 because I can convince the IRS that they'll never be able to get the money. So everybody's case is different. Everybody has a different resolution of their case. And what I tell people all the time is what's good for you is bad for your IRS case. What's bad for you is great for your IRS case. So when you tell me your house is upside down or in foreclosure, this is wonderful news for both of us, but bad for you in your life. So how much does the IRS know? Because that's, you know, there's a big, there's a big um, cloud out there, right? The taxpayer doesn't know what the IRS knows. The IRS is pretty good at estimating what taxes you owe, but let's say you own three businesses. Does the IRS know that this business is doing really badly, but these other two are doing well? How much do they know? Well, it depends where we're at. When you're speaking to the people at the 800 number, they know very little. When you have a revenue officer on the case, he or she is doing their background checks. They're checking things out. They know pretty much the cars you own and the businesses you have. They don't know necessarily what's in your bank account, but they pretty much know know, what's going on in your life. But you have to be very careful. And that's one of the reasons I tell people that 
in some cases, they really need help. They can't, yes, there's cases they can do it on their own. They don't know very much. They need a little time to pay the whole thing. But let me give you an example. I had an audit case come in and the guy uh, is a contractor. He got audited and he figures, well, you know, I don't really need help. Let me just go down. I'll talk to the revenue agent. What could go wrong with that? I'm sure as soon as she hears what happened, she'll be fine with it and she'll just close her file. So he goes down there for the interview and the revenue agent, who's an auditor, said, did you cash any checks at check cashing stores? Now, remember, he's a contractor. Now, him figuring, well, what could the IRS know? He, of course, answered no. And she said, well, we have information showing you cash checks for $1.8 million. And he said to me, you know, they're wrong. It's 2.1 million. But what, what she could have done is she could have set him up for a criminal referral, but she came right out and said, we know that you have cash checks. So we never lie to the IRS. We always tell them the truth. And that's something I always am concerned about. People say, well, why don't you let your clients talk to the IRS? Are you afraid they're going to tell you, they'll tell them the truth? No, I'm afraid sometimes they're going to lie to them and that get into even more trouble. So you mentioned criminal referral there. Who said that's I think that's the thing that a lot of people are afraid of. Right. A lot of people are worried. Hey, listen, I'm going to get a there's going to be a knock at the door like four in the morning, you know, a SWAT team guys coming in and they're going to they're going to take them to jail because they owe one hundred thousand dollars in back taxes. That, you know, that's really kind of a misconception. Who goes to jail for not paying their taxes, Steve? The people that go to jail are not your typical person. People ask me all the time, am I going to jail? And I tell them, if you go to jail on this case, then all my clients will be in jail. I'll have a whole wing down at the, at the jail. I can go visit everybody once a week. So the reality is the IRS doesn't have the time or the resources to criminally charge people. They also only criminally charge people that they can win against because they don't have the resources. They don't go after the guy that goes in and says, oh, I just didn't have the money. That's, that's not a thing. They're looking for people when, from the audit standpoint that file completely false returns. I'm not talking about underreporting income or expenses. That could lead to civil fraud. I'm talking about people who file returns with zero income or put on the bottom of their returns. It's unconstitutional file taxes. What are you going to do to me? Those are the people that have a chance of going to jail. From a standpoint of tax returns, serial non-filers, serial non-payers who owe a lot of money or live in the life or thumb in their nose at the IRS, they have a chance. But, you know, I have a uh, an attorney I represent. He hasn't filed, uh, he didn't file tax returns for the last decade. Okay, we're talking about personal returns, corporate returns, and payroll tax returns, which the IRS takes very seriously. And we got the returns filed and he made some payments. He's not going to jail. I was concerned with him because he was a high profile attorney. But most people don't go to jail. That's something they, I can never guarantee anybody that, but most people I tell, 
you're really not a candidate to be criminally prosecuted. So you mentioned an attorney there. Do licensed professionals have an extra um, an extra concern? Because, like, I know in the case of an attorney in Florida, you know, being, like, purposely not paying your taxes, you could have a real serious problem with the Florida bar for that because you're required to obey all laws and the law says you must pay taxes. So do licensed professionals, attorneys, like CPAs, I'm sure you've had your share of CPAs who have problems with the IRS, and doctors, did they run an extra risk? Well, they, they could if they really go above and beyond when it comes to not filing and paying taxes because they should know better. They're high profile. If they get criminally prosecuted, they'll send a message to the community. But even they, it's still a very low chance. But we see a lot of professionals owe money. You know, attorneys are not Uh, personal injury lawyers, for example, are not unlike independent contractors in a lot of ways, you know, like real estate agents and other independent contractors. What happens is they make money and they're not paying in money during the year. They're not having any withholdings. So at the end of the year, they very often don't have the money to pay their taxes. Now, they're supposed to make estimated payments, but very often their idea is, you know, I'll pay who I can pay. I can't pay everybody. I'll deal with the IRS down the road because I don't have to deal with them this minute. And that's what really gets a lot of people, even professionals, in a lot of trouble. So like uh, like somebody like me who has a who has a project and somebody writes them a big check and they say, all right, well, you know, we're going to we're just going to write you this check. And then maybe a year from now, next January, I get a call. Hey, send us your W-9. And then I get a 1099 in the mail but I never paid any taxes. And I think to myself, eh, the IRS is not going to know about this. And I decide I'm not going to pay taxes on that. That would get me in a lot of trouble. That's, that's, your, that's your average client right there, right? The realtor who sells a house and gets a huge commission and then goes and buys a Maserati and never pays the taxes. That person, you know, so if you're if you get paid in a lump sum and you don't take out the taxes, you should be making quarterly payments or your bookkeeper should have you making quarterly payments or you got to set the money aside so that when you file your taxes, you got to you can pay. Even if you do an extension and by the way, this is another big thing I hear all the time. Well, I just filed an extension. You're supposed to pay an estimated amount when you file the extension. That's not an interest-free loan until you pay the taxes down the road cuz they'll come after you for the interest, right? Well, yeah, many people are under the misconception that April 15th's the day to file and pay. <clears throat> the reality is you're supposed to pay during the year either with withholdings or estimated taxes. And when you get that extension for not filing, you can't get an extension for not paying. Even though you haven't done your return, you're still obligated to pay by April 15th or you're going to get hit with penalty and interest. But let me say something here, Lorenzo. A little too specific on some of your examples, especially that introduction. I'm going to run a little check on you and 
Miami-Dade County and see if there's a... F- I don't think so. I think so, we're good. I'm, you no, know a little I'm all, too much. I'm all clear. In fact, you know, here's what I want you to do. Give us give us the step-by-step guide. Tell us what happens. Like if you're if you're if you're in trouble with the IRS, not not an audit. I'll ask you about an audit in a minute. If you if the IRS thinks you owe them something, give us the process. What happens? Well, they start with a very nice letter. It's a bill. You owe this money. Then you start getting the collection letters, and those come about five or six weeks apart. And they start out with, you didn't pay us, you need to call us. And then we're really getting mad, we're really getting angry, and then the last letter is, we're going to start taking your stuff. Now, the good news is, as long as we request a hearing within 30 days of that final notice of intent to levy, which is a certified letter, the IRS can't levy and the case will be assigned to an appeals officer whose job it is to resolve the case. So we always want to try to go to appeals if we get the case early enough. And what we have to do in every case is I've got to get the transcripts. I have to see what you owe and why you owe. And a transcript is I a also, transcript is what the IRS thinks is going on in your business, right? Is that what a transcript? Well, that shows what the bill is. It shows how much you owe, whether you filed your returns. It'll also tell us what the IRS knows you made during those years. So we have to include all of your income. And then it'll tell us where the collection is. And on old cases, it'll tell us when the 10-year statute of limitations is up where the IRS can no longer collect. Once we put all that together, we start putting together the financial information, income, expenses, assets. And with that, I can tell what the solution is going to be. Is this going to be a person that has to pay X number of dollars a month until it's paid? Is it a person who qualifies for an offer and compromise where we can make one deal and end it all now? And some people can full pay at the time and they should probably write a check. My job is to keep the IRS off of you so that they don't start taking your things while we make a deal that you can afford that the IRS will agree with. And you know, the IRS always... They always want the money. Well, a revenue officer wants this, this, and this. And sometimes I have to look at the revenue officers and, and just say, you can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try some time, you just might find you get what you need. Oh, yeah. And that's the attitude I have to have with the IRS. I also have to make sure my client understands what he or she really can pay and make a deal that everyone's happy with. Now, there's a there's a thing I read in your newsletter, by the way, which is fantastic. So if you're watching this or if you're listening to this, when I give you Steve's contact information, which I'll do in a minute, you, you should get on his newsletter list. He does a fantastic monthly print newsletter and, a, and a, also an email newsletter. I read in your newsletter that the IRS is now, they can take your passport. What is, what is the deal with that? Like, how, do they come to my house and take my passport? How does that work? No, uh, uh, the IRS can now revoke, not issue, or not renew people's passports. And before COVID, they were not renewing passports. They were not issuing new passports 
they hadn't started to revoke them yet. They were about to start and then COVID came and now they're kind of starting all over again. If you owe the IRS more than right now, it's $54,000. I think this month we're in um, January and I haven't checked, but it probably goes up another $1,000, $55,000. The IRS can take away your passport or not issue a new one unless you make a deal with them to pay off the amount. Now, the good news is the earlier we get involved in the case, even before we make a deal, we can keep them from certifying your passport. Once they do certify it, we can still get it decertified, but now we have to actually make a deal. Beforehand, as long as I'm negotiating, they can't do it. But afterwards, now I've got to actually make a deal to get somebody's passport back. And, and certification um, means that it's problem. not good, right? So you'll you'll end up well, going yes. to the you'll go to customs and you'll try to you'll be trying to get back in the country and the, and it's like eh, and it's not going to happen. Like is that what happens? Well, they will they will let you back in. They just won't let you out. And when this came out, it occurred to me maybe they've got it wrong. Maybe they should let you leave, but not let you come back unless you take care of your taxes. Well, but it is the other the, way around. That's the big concern. So they won't let you out. But what does that mean? So I'm 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 at the border in Bulgaria, and I show my American passport, and the Bulgarians are going to be like, "Nine, you don't pay your taxes." Like, what is that? Like, how does that work? Well, first of all, that was a fantastic Bulgarian accent, but no, it doesn't work that way. What would happen is. It would have to be actually revoked at while you're away, but you'd still be able to get back into the country. Now, when I say certify, they certify it to the State Department. The IRS doesn't actually take it away. It's the State Department you have to deal with. They're the ones taking it away. I'm not at this moment concerned with the revocations because I haven't seen them gear up, but I am concerned with people getting a new passport or renewing their passport. Sometimes we tell people, if your passport's coming up, now's the time, get it renewed quick. Um, and the problem is, if you know, we see some people, they've been certified, their passport's still good for a year, and now they try to renew it, the IRS just keeps the passport. But we can stop that. We can get on top of it. It's one of the questions I ask people that, oh, more than the $55,000. Do you have a passport? How important is that for you to keep it? And then we have to gear our case more toward that to make sure that there's no problem. All right. I want to talk to you about audits and I want to talk to you about audit red flags. Everybody is going to be on the edge of their seat because they're probably doing things they shouldn't be doing. So they're going to want to know how far they can push it. And I want you to answer that in just one minute. I need to let folks know that our show today is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. For over 35 years, Sandrowski has provided expert client service to people all over the United States. What do they help you with? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what I'm going to talk about today. They do, they do a whole host of things. They do business valuations. They do consulting. They do dispute advisory if you have a, have a dispute about money. They do all kinds of litigation support. But today what I want to talk about is forensic accounting. So you're getting divorced, right? You go to meet with your divorce lawyer and the divorce lawyer says, all right, show me your financials. And then you look at the divorce lawyer and you shrug your shoulders and, and you're like, I, I don't know for you know financials. I don't know what you're talking about. So the divorce lawyer is going to reach out to Sandrowski Corporate Advisors and the divorce lawyer is going to say, listen, we need to go through 
Mr. or Mrs. Jones's financials with a fine-tooth comb because the person I'm representing, let's say it's Mr. Jones, thinks that Mrs. Jones has been doing some funny business with the money she earns at her job. And Sandrowski will come in after your lawyer goes and subpoenas the records, and they'll go through everything with a fine-tooth comb. And if there's money to be found, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors is going to find it. That's what they do when it comes to forensic accounting in a divorce case. They can also do this in a business dispute. You're working with your partner. Your partner controls the books in your business. And you and your partner are going to go separate way, your separate ways. You get a business valuation from somebody else, and you find out the business is not worth what you think it should be worth. So you call Sandrowski. Sandrowski comes in. They go through the financials with a fine-tooth comb, and they find the money your partner has been hiding from you. This is forensic accounting, and there's a whole host of examples I could give you. But Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, they do this all the time. They do this every day. And the beauty of what they do is they have experience testifying about these things in court. Now, I love accountants. I work with a lot of accountants, but some of them are great behind-the-scenes people. They'll find the money, and then you get them in court, and it's like, bidi, bidi, bidi. Well, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors, these people are professionals. They don't just find the money. They can also testify in court and make your case better than you can. When it comes to the numbers, there's nobody better than Sandrowski for forensic accounting. So if you have a need for a service like this, if you're a family law attorney or a trust and estates attorney or a litigator and there's a dispute, Sandrowski are the people to call. If you think somebody's pulling a fast one on you in your business and you want the books examined again, reach out to Sandrowski and here's how you do it. 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607, Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. They're the folks to call because they're a CPA firm with a different perspective. We're also brought to you by my Revenue Roadmap Guide. If you want to build a fantastic professional service business, you want more clients, you want deeper relationships with your clients, you need a plan. And I'm going to give you my plan for free. That's right. For watching, for listening to the Inside BS show, you get to download your Revenue Roadmap for free. All you got to do is go to RevenueRoadmapGuide.com, RevenueRoadmapGuide.com, enter your contact info there, download your free plan for growing your professional practice. It's my gift to you for joining us today. Our guest today is Steve Klitzner. He's an IRS problem resolution attorney. You can call him at 305 682 1118 3056821118 you can go to his website watch his videos at floridataxsolvers.com in fact i know a lot of people who watch the videos before they hire steve so that they know what he's all about and they know what questions to ask when they go in there floridataxsolvers.com all right steve so we started talking about audits at the beginning, right? What are the most common red flags for the IRS? Is it travel? Is it gifts? Is it charitable donations? What does the IRS look for? And they, they go, oh, geez, this is out of whack. We got to audit this person. Well, that is exactly what happens. <clears throat> but the most common audit is a correspondence audit. The IRS has received information that looks like it was taxable. Maybe it was a 1099, maybe you sold property, gambling winnings, maybe you had a debt forgiven. If it's not on the return, or even a, it may not be taxable, but it has to be addressed on the return, 
you know, if you had gambling winnings, you have to address the winnings and then the losses to show maybe you didn't have any actual income. But if it's not on the return, the IRS will send a correspondence audit. They send millions of those, and that's very easy for them to do. And they're often wrong because the information they received was wrong, or it actually wasn't taxable. So we can fight those. But getting to what you were saying, Dave, there's very few random audits, especially nowadays. They just don't have the resources, although they are hiring more revenue agents who do the audits and tax compliance officers who do the office audits. So occasionally they're doing a program. So let's say they're looking at business consultants like you. And they say, well, let's grab some business consultant returns and we're going to do a complete audit so that we have information as to what business consultants make and what their month and what their yearly expenses are in each category. Once they do that, now they look at another return and they put it up against your percentages. So in, if you're making, uh, if the average business consultant has 30% of his expenses as advertising and you file a return and now it's 50% and your numbers are out of skew with what the IRS thinks it should be, they put what's called the diff score on your return. And the higher the score, the more likely you are to get audited. So most of the time when they audit a return, it's not coming out of nowhere. It's because you've made $50,000 and you had charitable deductions of $20,000. There's a pretty good chance in the IRS's mind you've overextated your deductions. Doesn't mean that you did, but they look for the high average. They look for cases where there's a high percentage of a chance that you've either understated your income or overstated your expenses. And those are the cases that typically get audited. Now, how do you avoid that? Well, one thing you need to do is get a qualified tax professional, a CPA, an EA, which is an enrolled agent, to do your returns to make sure it's done right. The majority of the returns I see that are audited were done by a, um, a non-licensed, a tax preparer or by the taxpayer themselves. Spend a little extra money because it'll be worth it if the returns are done right. All right. So to that end, talk about qualified tax preparers and who they are, right? Generally, CPAs, of course, are the people who are, who are you know, they should be doing your tax returns. But what if you're like, at what size business is too big to go to a Liberty tax or an H&R block, right? Like I, if I'm, if I'm doing over a million dollars a year, do I still go to Liberty tax or H&R block? Cause I remember like when I was a kid, like my dad worked part-time at H&R block and my dad's a smart guy, but you know, I, I mean, he's tired. It's the end of the day and then he's meeting with people and doing their taxes. I, that's not a recipe for a successful return. So I, those people are fine, I guess, if you're if you work for somebody else and you have all your documents in a nice folder and you go in, I'm sure the H&R Block people or Liberty Tax people are fine. But like what size business needs an accountant to do their returns for them? 
Well, you know, there are some very good people at H&R Block and Liberty Tax. I think the problem is you don't know if you've got one of the good people or somebody that's not quite as qualified as the guy sitting next to him. I think what you want to do is if you have any business, you probably shouldn't be doing your own return unless you're really, unless it's pretty straightforward. You know, I sell online Here's my income. It's all right here in PayPal. Here's my expenses, the cost of goods sold. It's pretty straightforward. You probably should have somebody qualified do it, but you could probably get away with it. But when you have a business, you're an S corporation or a C corporation, you want it done correctly the first time. You also want a qualified tax preparer because that person will give you the right advice on how to save money and what to do going forward. So, you know, just don't be penny wise and pound foolish. I have clients who make seven figures a year doing their own returns and their returns when they get audited, it's a mess. I mean, it's we have to literally have the returns redone correctly and submitted to the IRS and generally they'll accept the correct returns. You can't amend the return once you've been audited, but you know we give them a correct return because they just figure, well, what's the IRS gonna know? And they just throw down numbers and the numbers are out of skew and out of place. And you know it, it doesn't report all of the income that the IRS knows that they have. All right, I wanna talk to you about two more things that come up all the time that people ask me about, and I in turn then call you and ask you and usually put you with the people. The first is divorce. Surprise! I haven't been paying the taxes, right? What does this spouse do when the other spouse controls all the finances and you find out during the divorce that your, you know, your snake husband or your lousy wife hasn't been paying the taxes they were supposed to be paying all this time? What happens to that other person when they get divorced? Does the IRS come after both of them? Yeah, well, that's funny because I just got a referral this morning from a CPA on a similar case. If you file a joint return, from the IRS standpoint, you both owe the money. So if you get a divorce and the judge says, okay, well, the husband pays all of the taxes, that's fine. But the IRS doesn't really care. If they can get the money from the wife, that's between the two of them. Some spouses, and more often wives, but I do represent husbands in this regard, have a claim where we can file a request for innocent spouse relief, where we can get the IRS to separate it. See, once you file a joint return, you both owe the money jointly and severally. You can't separate it without the IRS's permission in an innocent spouse case. And they're not going to allow you to separate it if well, one of the criteria is both spouses really knew about the money and they both uh, benefited from the money that could be a problem in an innocent spouse case. Now, if you file separately, you can always bring them together jointly. But too often we see joint returns. And sometimes I have to, sometimes I can't get, let's just say, the wife off the hook. And I can only represent, um, sometimes I can represent both, but generally I just represent one of them. And when I represent one of them, I have to keep them off the hook long enough for the other spouse to pay. Now, there is a conflict of interest, as you can imagine, but when they're both on the same page, there are some instances where they both agree that I can represent both of them, and I can do so to both of their best interests. 
Um, but the the key here is if your marriage is in trouble, don't file joint returns, especially if they're not going to get paid or you think they may get audited. And uh, once you file joint returns, you're both on the hook for it. You're going to have to get along on that issue to figure out how that's going to get paid back because the IRS isn't going to just say, okay, each of you pay half. Okay. Now, what about bankruptcy? So I owe $300,000 in outstanding debt. I, I just lost my job. You know, maybe I got medical bills or whatever. And I sit down with a bankruptcy attorney and the bankruptcy attorney says, listen, we ran the numbers. We did the we did the testing and you do you you do qualify for a chapter seven, a personal a personal bankruptcy that'll wipe out everything. Um, you'll get a fresh start. The you know, the challenge is your your credit's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be hit pretty hard and it's going to take you a long time to rebuild it. But if you have no other way to pay this two hundred thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars, that makes the most sense. We should probably consider this. What are the implications if you also owe money to the IRS? You got $100,000, $200,000 in debt that's going to be wiped out. You're going to get a fresh start, but you owe the IRS 75000 Does that go away if you file bankruptcy? Do you need to do anything special? What happens with that? Well, one of the special things is, and I don't do bankruptcy, make sure your bankruptcy knows that personal taxes can be discharged in bankruptcy. Some bankruptcy lawyers don't know that. If they say it can't be, then you got to go somewhere else. But if it's generally speaking, if the taxes, only personal, not payroll taxes, are more than three years old, they were due more than three years ago. So in other words, if for 2016, it would be three years from April of 2017, as long as the returns have been filed for at least two years. So if you're in 2020, for instance, well, right now we're in 2022, they would have had to have been filed two years ago at least. So they have to be due more than three years old and filed within the last two years, and they have to have been assessed at least eight months ago. As long as that's the case, the taxes may be dischargeable in bankruptcy. As long as you filed the taxes first, um, that can work. However, if the IRS filed a federal tax lien already, the lien is going to stay on any property you own, but that's something we can negotiate afterwards. So the takeaway here is sometimes bankruptcy is the right choice. We have cases where I try to get them off the hook. If it doesn't work, they're going to do bankruptcy. Other cases, bankruptcy tries to get them off the hook because they've got other debt that they want to discharge. And then they come to me to clean up the rest of the IRS. All right. Now, tell me about the, you know, the the regular guy off the street who really is your client, right? It's not, it's not these people who are hiding money in their backyard in coffee cans and not paying the IRS. It's, it's the average person who, they they don't pay one time and then the next thing they know a year comes or the next year rolls around and they're like well I didn't pay last year and nothing happened so they don't pay again and they just go about their business they live their life and you know you have people sometimes who go years and years and years without paying the IRS doesn't find them and then they get a letter or maybe they inherit some money and that person files uh you know uh saying that they gave you the money and they're like don't forget you got to pay your estate taxes Explain to people that it's not like bank robbers and cheats that are your average client. It's the regular guy or gal who forgets one time and then it snowballs, right? Right. 
And and the average person doesn't wake up in the morning and say, how am I going to cheat the IRS today? They wake up in the morning saying, oh, my God, can't believe I owe this money. What am I going to do? They're so overwhelmed and so in over their head. Many of my clients, but for the IRS problem, they would have no other care or debt in the world. It's just and it almost becomes a mental block where it's gotten to the point you you know, it's like that Seinfeld episode when the cops came to Newman's house. I think he was, what was he? Did he hide cats or dogs or something? And he said, what took you so long? It's almost like he knew they were coming. He was just waiting. You just want them almost to come after you so you're forced to take care of this problem. The better way, of course, is to get in before the IRS because there's more things we can do before they come on top of us. But that's the real... That's the real problem, Dave. And, and that's the big misconception over people I know who say to me, boy, the people you represent are bad people. And how can anyone do that? They just don't get it that this is a problem they have and they are not bad people. And that's why and, and I love representing them. I love helping them and getting them back on track. You know, as you can see, I mean, I love what I do. I love this work. I love dealing with the IRS you know, they're the most powerful collection agency in the world. And I go toe to toe with them every day. And I can't say we beat them because it's not as adversarial as you would think. But in a lot of ways, we beat them because we get something where my client takes care of the problem without it destroying his life. Yeah. So the the folks that you represent now, obviously, you have attorney client privilege. So I don't know who you represent, but you know, just from referring you people over the years, it's your doctor, it's your CPA, it's your lawyer, it's the small business owner, it's the singer or the sports uh, professional, it's the realtor in the neighborhood, it's just the average, it could be anybody in any walk of life. And by the way, there's no shame in working with Steve because, listen, you owe a lot of money. If you don't have the means to pay it back, Steve is going to go explain to the IRS for you and you don't have to worry. You never have to talk to them. Steve's going to do three things for you. This is what I tell people all the time. The first thing he's going to do, he's going to buy you time to figure it out. Just the process of Steve working with the IRS is going to take time. So if you don't have the money now, maybe Steve can buy you the time to come up with the money. The second thing he's going to do is if you need installments, if you need to break up the payments, the IRS isn't going to volunteer to do that. Steve's got a relationship with them and he's going to help you break that stuff up. He's going to help you pay it off over time. The IRS isn't interested in putting you into bankruptcy. They're not interested in having you close your business down. To the contrary, the IRS needs you to make the money so that you can pay them. So Steve's going to be able to get it broken down into installments. And then let's say the IRS makes a mistake. You don't know that they made a mistake. You could be the smartest person in the world. Steve corrects mistakes that other CPAs, that people who do this for a living have made. Steve is the guy to find the mistake they made. And sometimes they'll admit their mistake and you get you get to walk away almost for free. So that's the reason why you need somebody on your side to connect with the IRS and you know I hate to say we hear these we hear these phrases all the time fight the IRS Steve doesn't make his money. I, I got news for you. And, and Steve can contradict me if I'm wrong. He doesn't make his money fighting the IRS. He makes his money 
working with the IRS. And because he worked with the IRS with the last guy, he's going to be able to get you a deal because they know that he's playing it straight with them. You know, if he goes in there and takes off his shoe and bangs it on the table like Stalin, they're not going to work with him. They're gonna think he's a lunatic. Khrushchev. Khrushchev. They, they're going to think he's a <laughs> lunatic. They're not going to work with him. If he goes in there and goes, hey, listen, here's what we got going on. This is why this person didn't pay. Or the IRS maybe doesn't even care. This is what we say they owe. This is what you say they owe. Here's why there's a difference. The IRS is going to look at it, and then they're going to go to their playbook, and they're going to go, well... This is what I'm allowed to do, Steve. And then Steve's going to go, no, no, no. I saw something different the last time I did this. Go check this case. And they're going to go, oh, you're right. I guess we can do that. And then your matter is going to be resolved. The one thing I will say, having seen people, having referred people to Steve and seeing the resolution is you feel better. Once, once you go into Steve's office and you agree to let him handle the case, you feel better because you know there's not going to be that knock at the door at 4 o'clock in the morning. You know they're not going to take your car in the middle of the night, that there's not going to be a levy in, against your bank account. You know they're not going to take one of your assets or lien your house. Somebody's working on it, and that's the main thing. All right, Steve, so... It, well, one thing about that, Dave, I wanted to say is that is it. You're, you're right. It's not as adversarial as you would think. The IRS just wants you to start paying your taxes forward and come to a resolution on what we're going to do, if anything, if they can even afford it, to pay the back taxes. And that's really, you know, there's some bad eggs everywhere in every profession. There's some people that are tougher to deal with. But I deal with these folks every day and and I've got the relationship with them. And I can tell you that even at the top, the IRS just wants to resolve the case. Last year, I was fortunate enough to be appointed to the Internal Revenue Service advisory council to a three-year term. And there's a, a total of 35 people on the council. Every year they appoint uh, seven new people or eight new people. And I get to deal with the highest people at the IRS. And I know what they're thinking and I know what they want. And they're not looking to throw people out of their houses or put them out of business. They're just looking for a way to get them back in the system going forward and working out what, if anything, can be done with what they owe in the past. The way, the way I think about it is, you're, Steve, you are dealing with somebody at the IRS who's just got a name on a list of to-dos, and they just want to check that person off. So they know, listen, I'm dealing with Klitzner on this. He's going to give me the real information. He's going to tell me what he thinks the guy can do. It's one less person I, the IRS person, have to worry about. I can just check him off the list. It's that It's that easy. Now, uh, I'd be remiss, Steve, if I didn't let you go without... Um, without bringing this up. And I know you don't want to badmouth somebody who may be a competitor, but there are a lot of unsavory, you know, you hear these radio jingles or, you know, the the commercials. Oh, the IRS has a new program, right? I've been hearing about the IRS's new program, the Fresh Start Initiative, since 2008, okay? It can't be a new program if, the, if somebody's talking about it since 2008. Why is it important to hire an attorney? What's the advantage to working with an attorney rather than somebody who's got a hip jingle where, you know, oh, I haven't paid my taxes and I need some relief so I can buy some beef and go surfing on the reef? Like, you know, I mean, it's just you need you need an attorney specifically for there, there are some specific reasons why an attorney. 
Well, you know, it's funny because the, the last time the IRS changed or added to the Fresh Start program was 2012. And it's not for a limited time only. It's in the Internal Revenue Manual. It is permanent. And they've done other things since then that they don't call Fresh Start, but have helped taxpayers. But you want somebody who's actually going to work on the case. And very often, and you can Google these companies around the country and look at ripoff reports and all, they just, they have a lot of people taking the cases in. They're good at actually taking the money, but they're just not good on working the case, which is the purpose of representing somebody is actually working the case. But they get so many cases from around the country, they just can't handle them all and they don't have enough people in the back room doing the work. The advantage to having an attorney is that you can call and actually speak to the person responsible for your case, not, you know, you're speaking to a guy one week, Joe, and the next week you call and they say, yeah, Joe just got a job at the mall. Mary now, we've just elevated her from the, uh, from the uh, postal room and she's now doing cases and she'll be there for a couple of weeks. You need somebody that's actually going to be there, that has a relationship with the IRS, that's actually going to deal with the problem, that has a real interest in getting it resolved. Because my consultation's always free. I have no problem with talking to people, telling them what I think. If, they, if I think they can do it, I'll tell them they can do it. If they can't, I tell them what I can do. And I charge a flat fee. Because I want people to realize I have a real incentive to get your case resolved quickly for something you can afford and make the best possible deal for you. Not, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And if it doesn't work, I'll appeal it. You got to pay me more. And if that doesn't work, I'll do this. And you got to pay me more. And then they just keep soaking the taxpayer where the taxpayer is better off just giving the IRS the money. So I, I do think it's important to have somebody responsible. You know, in my case, I answer to the Florida bar. I can't just do something and I'm in California or Colorado and what are you going to do to me? No one's going to listen. You're out the money. You got to start all over again. So I think there's a real advantage to having somebody that actually does the work and that you can actually talk to. There's three There's three reasons why I send IRS cases to you. And I come across, uh, occasionally I come across an IRS case. The first reason, I, well, I mean, set aside the fact that we have a relationship. The first reason is privilege. You can't tell people who your clients are. You can't tell people what your client did. So when somebody walks in your office, it's like they disappear. You can't say anything. Your staff can't say anything. And it's completely confidential. And you're, you've taken an oath to do that. If you betray that oath, you could lose your license as a lawyer. If somebody in your office betrays that oath, you could lose your license as a lawyer. That doesn't happen with Mr. Radio Jingle personality. They can walk down the street and tell everyone who their clients are. And nobody, nobody's going to stop them. And they're going to be open for business the next day. The second reason. You, you said it yourself, you're licensed by the Florida Bar, but you also have insurance. You don't make mistakes. But if you ever did and there was an issue, you have insurance. It's called malpractice insurance. And you're a licensed professional who carries insurance so that everybody's covered no matter what. 
Mr. Radio Jingle, he doesn't have any insurance. There's no guarantee he's even going to do the work. And nothing happens to him if he doesn't do the work. You can try and get your money back, but good luck with that. The third reason is, quite candidly, there are only three types of people who can speak to the IRS, right? It's CPA, an enrolled agent who has to take special classes, which you, Steve Klitzner, teach, right? And then the third is an attorney. And now when you hire an attorney, don't hire your cousin Joe who does real estate closings and took a tax course in law school. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Don't hire somebody who does 15 other things. He does personal injury and he'll also form your company. And oh, you got a letter from the IRS? Let me respond to that for you. This is a relationship business. Steve works on cases all over the country. He's got relationships with IRS revenue agents and then revenue officers, their bosses, in offices of the IRS all over the country. He knows the playbook. He knows the tax code. This is all he does. If you're going to hire somebody and there's the weight of the government coming after you like there is with the IRS, this is a government agency with unlimited resources you need somebody who knows what they're doing. You can't hire them off a radio jingle. You got to get in touch with somebody who can keep this confidential and who will work with you to get it resolved. Now, Steve, how do you, when you're doing your consultations, like let's say you got somebody in California and you're in Miami, you, you can do them over Zoom, right? You can meet with somebody over Zoom and it's right. a secure thing and confidentiality still applies. And because it's a federal matter, you can work with people all over the place. Correct. Yeah, we can we can work all over the country and, um, you know, and I get cases from all over the country because I teach um, practitioners all over the country how to do this area of work, anywhere from boot camps to very advanced. So I get a lot of phone calls and a lot of referrals from people all over the place who uh, when when you're when somebody's ready to pass a referral to you, what do you like to see as far because there are some people who you know, they, they just don't owe enough to the IRS to make it, to make, you know, to make financial sense to hire an attorney, right? What's the threshold for somebody to send an IRS matter to you? Well, you know, it depends because sometimes I hear uh, someone owes $10,000. When I talk to them on the phone, I find out they haven't filed returns in the last six years and now they're going to owe $100,000. So I'm always willing to talk to people to see if there is something I can do or if it's more than they just think it is. And sometimes people hire me just to find out what's going on. Is the IRS coming after me? Do I still owe that money from more than 10 years ago? Has the statute of limitations run? So listen, Dave, I'm always willing to talk to people. You know, practitioners from around the country, they call me with their cases and run things by me. Tax, tax people that owe the IRS call me. And I'm always willing to spend some time. And if I can help them, I tell them what I can do. If not, I lead them in the right direction. So I, that's why I don't like to put a threshold on what they owe, because until I hear what's going on, I don't know if it's bigger than what it looks like. All right. So if you want to reach out to Steve Klitzner, you can call him at 305-682-1118, 305-682-1118. All right, Steve. So I want to give you a second to think about this next question. This is the last question I'm going to ask you. Give us three things, three things we should take away from our time together today. Three things that you want everybody to remember. And as you're thinking of that, I'm gonna remind people that our show today is brought to you by Sandrowski Corporate Advisors. Remember, if you're a professional, 
and you're handling a divorce case, you got a family law case, you need somebody to look into the numbers for you, Sandrowski are the people to call. You've got a business dispute, your partner's stealing from you, or you think your partner's stealing from you, or you're gonna buy a new business and you need help doing the business valuation, Sandrowski are the people to call. You can reach out to Sandrowski Corporate Advisors from anywhere in the United States at 866-717-1607, 866-717-1607. In addition, we're brought to you by my Revenue Roadmap Guide. Get your free business development plan. If you're a professional, you need this plan. Go to revenueroadmapguide.com, revenueroadmapguide.com. Enter your contact info. Download this plan for free. My gift to you as a thank you for listening and watching the show. All right, Steve. So give us the three things we should take away from our time together today. What are the three things we need to know before we go? All right. Well, first of all, be proactive. If you're behind on filing your returns or you owe the IRS money, even if they're not bothering you, be proactive, get help, which strangely, sometimes we're not, once I get everything, I'm not proactive all the time. I'm like, okay, well, let's just lay back, but be proactive where you're taking control of the situation. The next thing is, is if you haven't paid your taxes in the past, start at least paying them now going forward. Because the IRS only goes back six years when they want old returns filed, but they won't make us a deal unless they know you're not going to be a problem anymore. They don't want to make you a deal and the next year you owe more money. So at least starting right now, get your most recent tax return filed, hopefully get it paid. The other thing is, is don't ignore the IRS. If you're getting letters if you're getting phone calls, something bad is going to ultimately happen if you ignore it. You have to go and do something about it when you know they're coming after you because your greatest rights, both in a collections case where you owe the money and in an audit case, come when you take care of it, when you start receiving the letters because you would be shocked and happy how many rights you have when you take care of the problem early, as opposed to when your rights start dwindling because you miss certain deadlines that are very important. All righty, you heard it. Those are the three things you need to take away. This is the Inside BS Show. My guest today was Steve Klitzner. You can reach out to Steve by calling 305-682-1118, 305-682-1118. There's no shame in reaching out to somebody to get some help when you got a problem. Don't let the weight of the IRS come crashing down all around you. Let Steve give you a hand. Steve, thanks for joining us today. It was great to have you. That was great, Dave. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll have me on again when you're low on guests. All right. We have you on because you're an expert in this area, not because we're desperate for guests. We got a backlog of guests, folks. That'll do it for another edition of the Inside BS Show. Until tomorrow, I'm Dave Lorenzo. Here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.